Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 30 this morning. And uh, I said it in first service, I'll say it again. I would really encourage you to go retro. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by going retro? I would encourage you to go back to a paper Bible. But they're heavy. Well, we'll give you a free week's membership at the Lord's Gym, and after a week you'll be strong enough to carry your Bible again. Amen? Shouldn't take more than a week to get you back in shape to be able to handle a Bible. Amen. And, uh, but there's something, there, there's something tangible about the written Word of God in, in, in this Bible. I've had this Bible since 1989. When we were leaving Bieber, the kids that were the youth group there bought this and gave this to me as a going away present. And I've been preaching out of this ever since 1989. And uh, it's a great, great Bible. And, but my whole life is in here. And I read in here, and God talks to me in here, and I mark it down. So there's something tangible about the Bible and, and carrying that, having that in your hand. I, I love my iPad and my phones, and I use those. I love having all the translations accessible and doing all those things. But something is uh, different about handling the written Word of God. And uh, so I just encourage you and, and watch what God does. Amen. Um, before we dive into this, I want you to open your outline. And in the middle of the la- bottom of the last page, there's a little confession there. And I just want you to say this with me. Last week, I preached a message to you about uh, uh, ears to hear and a heart to receive. Having ears to hear and a heart to receive, having the Word of God sown into our life, becoming pregnant, conceiving that life, and having it bring forth. And so I just put this little confession together just concerning the Word of God and uh, just something we can declare over life. So I want you to, first service, I had to coach him a little bit, so I'll give you a heads up. We're not, I don't want you to repeat this after me. I want you to say this with me, okay? All right, one, two, three, let's say it. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Amen? And that's just truth. That's really where we live. When I take the Word of God, this is my Bible. This is God's Word to me. It speaks to me. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. I keep writing in here, go over things, and God just keeps. It's a living Word. And so taking it, I choose to live by its truth. I want to walk in the light that it gives me. I can rest in the promises that are there. I'm going to share that with you. And just uh, probably at the end here, really just even the promise that we have concerning our family. Amen? And uh, so all those areas. And then we're empowered by the love that it brings into our life. But then we live and we overcome by the faith that it produces in our life. Look at the, go back to the cover of your outline. I put a verse on there. Excuse me. And uh, I, I pressed through. I, I, uh, they prayed for me in first service. And uh, the last two days has been a, a bit of a challenge. And so I refuse to give in to sickness and disease. Amen. People say, well, well, Pastor, you should stay home if you're sick. Well, I read my Bible. When they were sick, they went to church. <laughs> believing to receive. Amen. So first service, they prayed for me. You should have heard me in first service. You think this is bad. I've been miraculously healed already. Hallelujah. So, uh, but I want to share this message with you this morning. It's called choice, the most powerful element in our life. Choice, 
most powerful element in our life. Now, I do have to do that. While I was praying just during that last song there, I felt the Lord say, so I want you to do something with me. How many know our nation needs prayer right now? I mean, I have never seen such stupid shenanigans going on as what's happening right now in our nation and in our government. Would you just pause with me? Let's just pray for our national leaders and our government. Join with me. Father, we just come right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up our governmental leaders and authorities. Lord, we know that the enemy would love nothing more than to tear down this nation. You've raised America up to be a gospel-preaching nation. Father, we are founded. We are a Christian nation. We were founded on the principles of your word. And America has been great over the years because of the church. It's like, Lord, when, when Tocqueville came and he said, America is not great by our industry, but we're great by the righteousness of her pulpits, Father. So I'm just praying that righteousness would return to the church. We pray, Father, that our leaders would rise back up, that the special interest in all these groups and everything that is bringing such strife and division, Father, that we could come back to to a place of corporate unity and understanding for the betterment of all. Father, we come against all these areas that are just tearing things down. And Lord, we choose to speak life over America today. We choose to speak your wisdom into our halls of justice and into our legislative uh, uh, platforms, Father, that you would give those in positions in power, Father, that you would move upon their hearts, Father. And we pray for a breakthrough. We pray for a turnaround. And, Father, we just speak peace over our nation and preservation over our nation today. In Jesus' name. And somebody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and then uh, we'll read that in just a minute. But the first verses I want to read here, they're in your outline. Psalms 25, verses 12 through 14 from the, the, uh, from the Living Bible, it says this. Where is the man who fears the Lord? God will teach him how to choose the best. I mean, oh, that's a good word right there. For when I fear the Lord, Sean was talking about in the offering, we have that reverential fear for God. He teaches us how to choose the best. He shall live within God's circle of blessing, and his children shall inherit the earth. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. Let me go back just for a second. It says, he shall live within God's circle of blessing, walking in the fear of the Lord, reverential respect for God, teaches us how to choose right, but then we live within God's circle of blessing and his children shall inherit the earth. And we're going to read this in Deuteronomy in just a moment because it's the promise. God is declaring to them the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're entering in to possess it. And the promise was made over 500 years before Israel. Abraham lived for 125 years and then uh, uh, the nation of Israel was in Egypt after that. But there's all, probably over 600 years between now and then, time God spoke to Abraham, and they're actually possessing the land there. And so, but it's the kids, it's the children, and the seed, and, and the posterity that inherits the promise. Amen? When we walk with God. And then friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. And think about it. Everybody think, oh, God's a good God. Yeah, but with them alone... He shares the secrets of his promises. Read with me, if you would, Deuteronomy chapter 30, or follow along with me, beginning in verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. 
It's not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us or that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Verse 14. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Which actually you have in the New Testament, Romans 10.8. Paul says, what saith that the word is near you even in your heart and in your mouth. The word of faith which we preach. Verse 15. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgment. That you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I announce you today. So God's giving them forewarning. Amen. I announce you today ahead of time that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, what are the next two words? Choose life. That both you and your descendants may live. Both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. The Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 asked the Apostle Paul after the angel had come and set everybody free. He said, what do I have to do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house will be saved amen you and your house so when you believe on the lord jesus christ it's not just your personal confession of salvation but you come into a covenant relationship with god and what god is declaring to the nation of israel here is that he is keeping his covenant that he made with abraham and he made it to him and he made it to his seed amen not just to him david and jonathan made covenant together and David said, uh, Jonathan said to David, as long as either one of us are alive or have seed in the earth, as long as we have seed in the earth. So David, we're making this covenant together, but you're going to keep it with me and you're going to keep it with my children. And you know the story of Mephibosheth later. It wasn't for anything that Mephibosheth did, but David showed Mephibosheth covenant kindness because he had made a covenant with his father. Mephibosheth was a rebel. He was an outcast and, and everything else. But yet David showed him the kindness that he had promised to his father, Jonathan. And I want you to hear that today. When we choose God, when you make a choice to live for God, you're coming into a covenant relationship with him. And you can stand on the assurance as you continue to live for God and walk with God, you are covering your children. That deserves a better amen than that. Because more people, well, my kids are going to hell. Why would you say that when he said you and your household would be saved? 
Amen. Declare, thank you, God. Begin to thank God that you're walking with him, you're living with him, and you have his covenant promise for your family. Amen? Because look at what we read there. He shall live within God's circle of blessing, and his children shall inherit the earth. God, when you walk with God, it passes on a blessing to your children. Praise the Lord. Look at your outline, if you would, with me. And I want you to hear this. And if you're in a life group, then uh, when you get my outline, anything that is highlighted in blue or underlined is always a good talking point question. If you're part of a life group, then take your notes, hold on to your outline. When you go to your life group this week, this is the first week of the month, then take your outline with you, share with others what the Lord has spoken to you through this message this morning. And so in this area, we need to understand that everything that God asks us to do, every choice that God asks us to make always produces life. Everything God has to do, it always comes with the promise of life connected to it. Look, look at your outline with me. It seems as though man, though, has been on a continual quest for knowledge, while all along God has been offering him life. Man wants to be smarter, and God says, I'll just give you life. Man has an insatiable appetite to know the who, what, where, when, and how about everything. It is as if he sees himself as a freelance investigative reporter on life and all of its affairs in detail. He will not stop until he gets to the bottom of it all. Yet when all of his searching actually leads him to the source of all life and knowledge, he balks, pulls back, and moves away to continue his search elsewhere. Or man, they're saying now, science more and more is proving that God is God. The reality of God is just awesome in that. But man goes on and turns away from God. Instead of acknowledging him, he goes back on his quest. There's a vicious cycle to the affairs of man's quest for knowledge without life. In his quest to find answers that will free him, he only tends to entrench himself in a greater depth of self-captivity in the afflictions he seeks to free himself from. Whether they be personal, social, economical, physical, or spiritual. He carries an innate fear of the only thing that will help him, a Savior. I always wonder, why are people so afraid of God? He's only trying to help. Somehow, people are afraid of a Savior. See, this innate fear is connected to giving up his status as the God of his own life. Every one of us, you wrestle with giving up and coming into agreement with God. We all do. Just as the, the offering is the greatest place where we find where we wrestle. How do I honor God with my life? Money is just connected to your life. Amen? So honoring God with our finances, however we do that, then I think, God, I, I don't know about if I want your word to have that much authority over my life. But wait a minute. Everything God asked me to do produces more life. I'm kind of like Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man. But I can figure out God's a good God Amen. and that he is on my side. So what happened? The ploy of Satan in the garden was to get man to see himself as God without the need of his creator. He was able to get him to choose knowledge before life. Since that day, man has sought his answers through his knowledge. People just want to know, they're just knowledge and, and everything else. We've taken the Word of God, we've turned, we go to seminaries, we get all this head knowledge around the Word of God. I said it a few weeks ago, but I, I had a guy tell me, hey, you know what, we should believe all the scholars who have studied the Word and do all that, and they, and, and they tell you and they add all this stuff, and they tell us what the Word means and everything else. I said, well, last time I looked, the scholars in Jesus' day got it wrong. Amen. And so going to school, talking about God, like I said, when receiving the word, I want the truth of the word of God. Amen. 
think about it. Man has sought his answers through his knowledge instead of seeking the giver of life and knowledge. There's an interesting observation that I've made over the last 40 years of being a Christian and 37 years of ministry. It's just this. Knowledge does not produce life. Get all the knowledge you want, but it won't produce life. Amen. I mean, people have all these degrees and everything. Yeah, I got one degree years ago. I have a PhD. I do. I'm past having doubts. I do. I have a PhD. I chose just to believe God. Just believe God. Amen. But people go, they get, you can get all kinds of abbreviations and initials behind your name, but it doesn't mean you have life. Life does not come from knowledge. Knowledge comes from life. In the beginning, God set man before two trees and left him with a choice. He chose knowledge and it produced death and removed him from the choice of life. Think about that. Man chose the tree of knowledge and it removed him from being able to choose the tree of life. When I choose knowledge over life, I take myself away from life. The knowledge he chose has been his nemesis since that day. He is on a quest for life and thinks that he will find it through more knowledge. He continues to eat from the tree that separated him from life in the beginning. And in this proverbial act of futility, he thinks he will find life. It's just an interesting place we are today in the man's evolution in his walk in this world. Our world is filled with men and women of great knowledge and understanding. Yet for all of our wealth of knowledge, we have a very poor life. Look at the state that California is in today. Look at the state that our nation is in today. And these are educated people making some of these decisions. Highly educated people. Some of them are lawyers. Man, you got to go to school, and then you got to go to a whole bunch more school and everything else to do all that. I mean, to, they, they've spent a lot of time getting a lot of knowledge, but they're making some pretty stupid choices. Amen. The best thing we can come up with is banning straws. <laughs> oh, oh, no. That, no, we're not just banning straws. Well, what we're going to do, we're, we're going to make it that we're not banning straws. You just have to ask for straws in a restaurant. But like the other fast food places in Starbucks and other places, you know, that serve cold drink with straw, we're not making it that play. We're for the, oh, my gosh. And these are the smart people running the show, guys. And that, I won't go any further than straws this morning. Amen. So what am I saying? But, but look, at, but at the same time, we're, we're banning straws and then giving away free needles to drug addicts, creating safe zones to inject ourselves. Deciding, hey, we can't control the drug population, so this is what we'll do. We'll, we'll just give everybody free, safe places to do drugs. And then what we'll do is we'll just legalize the drug, because that way at least we could tax it and make up money off of people destroying their lives. Dear Jesus. Amen. So think about it. Technology continues to advance and reveals the vastness and expanse of man's knowledge, ever expanding and increasing in speed and accessibility. Yet for all of this, we live so far below the life that God created us to have and to live. You know, I'm amazed at the technology in a phone. Just think, just think about that. We, we don't even realize what's happening with all that technology and, and all the knowledge that man has. We should be making some better choices. But life doesn't come out of knowledge. Are you with me? Think about it. For every answer man finds through knowledge, he creates ten more problems. For every answer we come up with, there are ten more problems. It's called the tricky side effects of the cure. 
We're taking, a, we're taking a pill to cure the one problem and creating 10 more. You ever listen to those commercials on your TV? They come up, the new pill that comes out. Hey, the, 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 this, this will help you with your breathing, but you might die. If you have a side effect and one of those side effects is death, please call your doctor. I mean, it's just amazing the stuff that goes on in different things. And there's people for high blood pressure, this or that, or heart disease, doing anything. But the side effect, you're trying to cure one issue, but it has a list of 25 other things that are possible side effects that are worse than the thing you took the pill for. But hey, take the pill. Glory to God. Amen. So think about it. Jesus came onto the scene, though, and declared himself to be the answer to man's quest. I have come that they might have what? Life. And they might have it more abundantly. Hey, Pastor, why are you preaching that? Because today God wants you to have life. Like I said last week, he doesn't just want you to hear sermons. He wants his life to get inside of your life. He wants you to walk in life with him, to be a part of his life, a partaker of the life that his word produces. I, I read an article that I have or, or a... a uh, a message that I have in some of my files. I have, uh, I have all of uh, uh, Charles Finnage's lectures on revival and all that stuff. But, but I have some writings by J.B. Stoney and, and a great preacher years ago. And that, but, but he was teaching a lesson on the difference between reformation and transformation. That there's a difference between reformation and transformation. You can reform something and, you know, you people go, go and get incarcerated and we hope they get reformed. But reformation is different than transformation. Transformation is completely made over and renewed. It's, it's new from the ground up, from the inside out. Reformation, you can reform somebody and they can change their habits and do different things. But that's not transformation. The word of God inside of us completely transforms us and it produces the life of God and that we can have that life and have life more abundantly, the God kind of life. Could you say amen? The people of Jesus' day thought that they had life through their knowledge. And Jesus declared that they could only have it through him. And that made everybody mad. The people were mad then, and it makes people mad today. When you tell somebody, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? No, I just think there's a lot of ways to heaven. Well, I'm sorry, there's only one way, and that's what people don't like. God said they're, 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 he, God deals the Word, and that's the hardest thing about the Word of God, if I'd say it this way. God deals in absolutes, not options. The Word of God doesn't give us options, it gives us absolutes. We read it in Deuteronomy. God just said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he helps us because we're not the smartest people in the world. And he says, choose to life. That always cracks me up. He has to tell them what to choose. All right, moving right along. But in that area, people get mad today. And, the, and, and I'm glad Oprah thinks everything is okay, but Oprah's not God. And Oprah can have every opinion she wants, but until she can create something out of nothing, I think I'll stick with the one who did. Amen. So watch it. The Bible, the Word of God, gives us an account of man's history from God's perspective. There's a lot that can be learned if we can see ourselves from the perspective of another and hear the counsel of another. 
See, the Bible is a record of man walking with God and man walking without God. When you read the Word of God, there's accounts of people who walked with God and were obedient to God, and God's Word was performed in their life. And then God put accounts in there of people who chose not to walk with Him and gave us the outcome of that as well. Think about it. It reveals the outcome of choices made by others to help us avoid making the same mistake. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, or actually it says in the original, ignorant, that all of our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So when you go back and read the Old Testament, there's accounts there where where God was displeased with people and didn't turn out well because they weren't choosing life. They were choosing the wrong things and said those are written for us so that we can learn, we can see through that perspective, and we can learn from the counsel of their mistakes. Think about it. See, the gospel is also the power of God unto salvation. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's his power unto salvation, and so we choose life in God. It's God's account of his calling man back to life as we read. But man historically, for some reason, has always made the wrong choice. He goes back to the place of choosing knowledge before life, thinking he will find truth. But Jesus said, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen? John 6, 63, you can write it down. He said this. He says, I am the resurrection. Excuse me. Um, yeah, John 6, 63. He said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is life. Not knowledge, but God's word is life. Amen. This is the tree of life, if you would. So I need to choose his word over everything else. Because every day we're making choices. Every day you're going to make choices. But what is the foundation for our truth? And what is the foundation for our life? In John 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he dies, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes on me shall never die. Jesus is our life. Amen? So let me give you this in this area of understanding how to receive from God. And, and, and God chose that he would come to people through men. God has always chosen to come to man through man. You're there in 1 Corinthians. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Three keys to receive. Number one, how I receive the man of God. Amen. I, I have a lot of hang-ups and faults and everything, but I am a man of God. Amen. And God uses me to declare his word. And it's so important to understand that God has called men to preach the gospel. And God chose through the foolishness of preaching that men would be saved. But what we do, we want to we just, I mean, oh my goodness. I, can, I don't even want to get started. Look at what we're doing to poor Judge Kavanaugh. 
and things that are happening there and, and, and the whole circumstance of what's going on. But, but on anybody, when people run for off and criticizing and judging people, the spirit of judgment that's upon our nation and that. And then you have to understand when the Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, that atmosphere is easy for us to get caught up in. And it doesn't mean that you don't prove things, but, 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 and, and that's what I said a few weeks ago about the contact. I'm thankful for all the guys that are preaching the gospel. We're putting our messages out over the internet and getting it out there. But the people watching over the internet, they don't know me that well. They may hear the message, but I, I have to live this out in front of you. So there's accountability in doing that, and I have to live and, and, and be doing what I'm preaching. Could you say amen? But how you and I receive the man of God, because God said the sower sows the word. How you receive the man of God. But if you judge the man of God, and, and, and you're just always looking to find fault, usually the reason we judge somebody when it comes to preaching is because we're convicted by the word. But if I can find a fault in the messenger, I don't have to respond to the conviction that I'm under. That makes sense? And so it's easier, well, you know, he has a lot of faults, so that, that, that diminishes the word. No, if I'm giving you my opinion, that's one thing. But if I'm giving you the word, then there, there's no debate there. Amen? My, my, my friend Albert Willis years ago would say this, if we, if we don't receive the word, then we have a controversy with God, not with man. Amen. And so how we receive the man of God, that's the first, because they're the ones that sow the word. How many know every time God wanted to speak to Israel, what did he do? He sent them a prophet. Amen. And whether they heard the prophet or not, think about that. God sent Isaiah and he sent Jeremiah and preached to them for decades. For almost 70 years before they went into captivity. Tell them, hey guys, turn around. It's coming. It's coming. Oh, Jeremiah, you're just that doom and gloom guy. Amen. And Jeremiah goes, man, I've been looking at what Jeremiah said. He said, I'm trying to warn him, God. I'm trying to warn him. I'm doing everything you said. I mean, God would have his problem. I'm sure glad he doesn't ask us to do some of those things today. God said, hey, this is what you're going to do. You're going to walk around prophesying naked. I'm so glad that God's not telling us to do that today. He said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to cook your food over dung. I'm so glad God's not asking us to do that today. This is what you're going to do. You're going to lay on one side for a year and, and speak the word. And then you're going to roll over and lay on the other side and speak. I'm sure glad God isn't asking us to do that today. Trying to get a message across to people. Amen. But they wouldn't hear it. And God's trying to protect them, spare them before it comes. He always speaks to us in advance. He always tries to warn them in advance so that we would choose wisely. We would use the most powerful resource in our life is the power of choice. But I have to choose God's word. Every situation we've got ourselves into over the years and over our life has been just to a bad choice. And we wish we would have made the choice for life instead of the other. So how I received the word of God because it is the seed of life. Secondly, and then thirdly, how I protect my heart from the seed of the enemy. Once you hear me, the, the devil is out to sow seed into your life. Because all words are seed. And he knows that if he can get his word in your life, it'll produce a counterfeit harvest that will turn you away from God. You'll get discouraged. Could you say amen? So those three keys, whether you like it or not, you have to receive the man of God, you have to receive the word of God, and you have to guard your heart against the seed of the enemy. So let me close with this. So man always finds himself at the place of choice. Every day that we live is wrapped up in the choices we make in the moment 
We open it from the moment we open our eyes in the morning until we close them at night on our bed. Every day, we're making choices. Your day today will be filled and encompassed with choices. And we'll make them. We make the choice of what time to set the alarm clock, what time to go to bed, and everything we do in between. Even today, you're here by choice. You showed up by choice. The only people without a choice are those who have submitted to the leadership and lordship of another. But even in that respect, the centurion said to Jesus, said, I'm a man under authority. And the only way he kept his authority as a centurion and, and be able to command was that he kept himself under authority. He answered up. Could you say amen? And, and that's so important. We don't like to answer up. So when I bring myself under lordship, I choose to answer, Lord, I would like to do this, but is it okay with you? Amen. So, so you process up with God with your choice. When you're under lordship, you always, your choices are always processed up through God, not through people around you. Never process through your peers. Never process through your peers. Always process your choices up through God. Because we're called, even the Lord, he, he, he'd come along and he gave him a choice. He said, hey, guy, come and follow me. And they chose to come under the, his lordship and to follow him and to serve him with their life. You and I do that every day. We make the choice to serve God. And so the centurion said it like this. I'm a man under authority, therefore I have authority. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To this one, come, and he comes. To this one, do this, and he does it. And so, because they're under that authority, they've chosen to be soldiers. And you and I, we've chosen to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. In fact, Steve tells me all the time, I put it in there, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, is that, that Paul said to Timothy, go to warfare as a good soldier. And don't be entangled with the affairs of this world. But as a good soldier, serve the Lord and keep yourself under his order. You see, the outcome and the productivity of every day is connected to the power of our choice. As children, we grow up. We all went through this. We all grow up with the desire to be free and to make our own choices. As soon as adolescence hit, we think we have brains. And teenagers are awesome. Amen. But we get there and we make our own choices. We, we, we grow up with the desire to be free, to make our own choices without being told what to do. Kids are saying, I'm so tired of people telling me what to do. I want people to tell me what to do. It's awesome. Amen. We can't wait to reveal to the world the depth of the wisdom within us that is being restrained by those given to us to protect us. So what happened? We can't wait to show the world the life we will produce through our knowledge. So what happens? The next generation rises to follow the pattern of the one before, choosing knowledge before life as the worship team comes back. See, we've all found ourselves at the place of making the statements like, I never thought I would, and you can fill in the blank, that I would do that. I made a lot of choices, good and bad in my life. I'm glad I've learned more. I don't know if I can say this right. Really, the only way to know how good your choices have been is if you live long enough to look back, <laughs> to have some history, a track record. 
But then on the other side, when we make those choices, we look at, man, I wish I hadn't made that choice. But I'm so thankful that God is a God of grace. So what he does, when I make the wrong choices and I ask for his forgiveness, he can't take that harvest away because every choice is a seed that's sown. He can't take that away, but he can grace me to make it through it. He gives me, he strengthens me to get through it, to overcome it. And then he encourages me, don't make choices like that no more. Learn from that last choice. Make better choices so that my grace doesn't just have to get you through bad harvest. My grace can promote you into the abundant life that I have for you. Amen? I was sharing with Cecil before service, just talking about our roof. And it's easy to run fast with God. It's another thing to walk with God. And so when it came to figuring out how to take care of our roof and stuff, God just led me to this company that we used. And I called him up. And the day I called the guy up, turned out he was down in the El Dorado Hills area finishing up a job and it was the end of the day it was like 4.30 and he goes hey I'm heading back to Reading but I'll, I'll drive up and meet you so I waited and he drove up and met us here and then did the bid right on the site right there put it out walked you know did everything took care of it printed it out gave it to me it was awesome and gave us two aspects of it and then tried to get a hold of another company and took that other company took them three weeks to make an appointment to come give us a bid and then when they gave us the bid, it was $9,000 more than the company that we used. But then the product that we put on our building, that we went with that first company, the Lord led us to them. And that product is an amazing product. They think, how, how do you fix a metal roof without putting all new metal on it? And that. And so there's this product that they have now that they put down. And they finished Thursday. And I was up in our attic because we took all the old skylights off that we, you can't see that have been up there, fiberglass skylights, and they put all new metal on there to seal the roof. And you go in there and you put your hand on the roof and it's cold. The sun blurring down on it is cold. The reflective properties of what they put on our roof are amazing. You go in the attic now, it's over 25 degrees cooler than it was before. It's amazing. But God will lead you into making right choices. So what that means, yes, it costs us $77,000 to do our roofs. But lowering your attic temperature not only means we have a leak-free roof, but our energy costs are going to go down. And the other company, there's another company here in town, uh, here in the business park, that used the other company. When I talked, got the number for them from them. They go, the, the manager of the, the business there goes, it hasn't helped. It was supposed to be reflective and lower the heat in our attic and lower our energy price. It says we haven't seen any change. It's still as hot and that because of the different type of product or two different products. So thank God for the right one. Amen. And not, so it helped. But learning, letting God help you make choices and not being in a rush with that. Not only does it save you time, I'm thankful for the $10,000 it saved. I'm thankful for the thousands of dollars it'll save us over the years. Amen. Just in heating and cooling and stuff it'd be awesome but other choices that we make God has to grace us so what I'm saying when you let God lead you he gives you choices that he helps you make choices that promote you and grace that promotes us instead of having grace that just helps us get through a bad choice amen 
and, and I don't know why, but I said it second, first service, I'll say it again. Some of you really need to believe that by your choice to follow God, that your household will be saved, that your children will be saved. I'm thankful. My, my kids ha- haven't always made all the best choices in their life, even though we raised them in our home. You've heard me tell the story of my son Austin and stuff. Sean, his whole life growing up and doing things. That's my son. He gets all the way, even to the place where at 21, when he's 20, God, because of my covenant with him, while he's selling drugs and doing the stuff he's doing, a guy sticks a gun in his face and tries to kill him, but the devil can't kill him because I have a covenant with God. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And so I didn't have to, and, and so he even, listen, listen, listen. It's not in this Bible. It's in my other Thompson chain. February of 1987, I was in a worship service in Bieber, California. We're pastoring there. And the Lord just spoke up in my spirit. Today, I've given your son back to you. And I wrote it in my Bible. March was it March March of 1997 10 years later he was on the second row when we had pews he come to California 10 years later God fulfilled that word but I heard it and I wrote it in my Bible God has restored my son to me today so when God says it, it's done. Are you listening to me? And so your choice is to agree with God. My son Austin going through stuff and doing stuff and, and running all around. And so through a whole bunch of years of just being squirrely, now what's he doing? He's married, has two beautiful grandbabies, and he's a pastor at a church in Gettysburg on staff in Gettysburg, California. So two of our sons are in full-time ministry. Come on, somebody. Amen. God, make your choice. Make your choice to live for God. This is what I found, that that if I'll just live for God, if I'll just keep choosing to live for God, quit fretting, quit frustrating over your children, you just live for God. Let God keep his word concerning you. Some of you are messing things up because you're always up in your kid's business trying to make them get saved. Hello? Somebody needs to hear this this morning. So get out of your kids' life. Let God be God. You serve God. Do what he called you to do. Be about your father's business. Amen? Be about your father's business. God knows how to get your kids into the fold. Are you doing all right? He knows how to take care of your children. You just walk with God, and he'll bring it all to pass. Amen? And just be, no, I, I, I'm saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. My household will be saved. Thank you, Lord. My children are saved. I'm not going to heaven without my kid. Are you doing all right? Amen. And just believe God. Believe God. Stand with me this morning. I'm serious. Man, you're looking at a miracle. I already got healed this morning. I couldn't hardly talk for a service. I should make him put up the first service video. I was hacking my lungs out for a service. They prayed for me afterwards. I said, man, I need prayer. I thought other people were going to come up, and, and I thought people were coming up for prayer, and about 20 people swarmed me and prayed for me. Amen. Until God's touched my body and that, and uh, so I'm thankful for the healing. Amen.
He's a great God. Last week, we didn't share it, but Jasmine uh, Sanders, Garrett, uh, uh, why? We prayed for her over here in first service, and uh, she had a growth on her neck right here, on her mastic bone, whatever it was, and God just dissolved it right there on the spot. She posted, so I got a miracle today. God dissolved that lump right on my throat. Amen. He's still a miracle God. Amen. And so I'm asking you today, choose life. Because what happens is when it comes to choosing life, we, we have all the knowledge of all the doctors. We have all the knowledge of everything else. And man and all of his knowledge. But man for all of his knowledge cannot produce life. There's only one who has life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Bow your heads with me. Maybe you're here today and it's been hard for you to make that choice for life. You, you, you wrestle with knowledge and, and choosing and trying to figure it all out. Just quit trying to figure it all out and just say yes to God. Maybe you need to take that step and just say, God, I'm just going to choose life today. Your life in me. I'm choosing you today 100%. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. That's you. Just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm done with knowledge. I'm choosing life today. If that's you and you've been wrestling with this, just raise your hand. Say, I'm choosing life today. Who is that this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. No more knowledge. Just choose life. Hallelujah. Now.